Welcome. I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic. This is Dominic Pace, who plays Gekko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Claudia Gray. I write Star Wars books. And you're listening. And you are listening to Star Wars Comics in Canon. The Force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so for episode 36 comes the Screaming Citadel event, which is the crossover between the main run of Star Wars comics and Dr. Aphra. Now in case you aren't already aware who Dr. Aphra actually is, I'd recommend going and checking episode 34 out where I did the first episode of basically the first story arc of our solo comics. Episode number 30 I had Tony Farina of Indie Comics Spotlight on as well and we spoke about Aphra and her time being introduced in the Darth Vader comics as well. So there's lots of ways that you can get information about Aphra herself but in case you don't want to do any of those things and you want a brief summary, imagine the opposite of Indiana Jones as in in a moral spectrum of things so that she is, you know, she's a rogue archaeologist essentially who is fairly morally bankrupt and does have goodness within her but is generally not a good person so that's generally just a little uh, bit of information about that uh, this also takes place around one year after the battle of yavin which is a new hope uh, the time between episode four and new hope and episode five empire strikes back is about three years and so this is about one year after that so Luke is getting a little bit more in tune with the Force, but he's still definitely not a Jedi and still isn't trained very well. For clarity, this story consists of five separate comics. The first one is called The Screaming Citadel 1, and that was released in May 2017, and then it alternates between them. So it then goes Star Wars issue 31, Doctor Aphra issue number 7, Star Wars issue 32, and finishing with Doctor Aphra number 8. And Doctor Aphra number 8 was released in June 2017, and in October 2017, the trade paperback collection of The Screaming Citadel as its own storyline was released. And then also the Doctor Aphra hardcover of volume 1, that was released in October 2018, and that has the first full volume of the Aphra story, which I tackled in episode 34, as well as this whole Screaming Citadel comic. So lots of ways to get in things. And fun fact is this crossover is what kind of got me into the wider Star Wars canon in a lot of ways because a friend of mine bought me three variant covers of the first issue of Dr. Aphra. And I didn't want to read them because, you know, they're bagged and boarded and they're variant covers, so they may be worth something. So I thought, I'll buy issue number one of Dr. Aphra and read that properly. I read it, thought it was brilliant. You know, you get six issues in and then it crosses over with the main run of Star Wars comics. So I had to start buying those. I had to in air quotes. And then I got into the Darth Vader comics to find out more information about Dr. Aphra and kind of went from there. And now I have almost every canon Marvel Star Wars comic, which is quite interesting. I've got a few Poe Dameron ones to get and just like the movie adaptation ones. Uh, but aside from that, I've got all of them, which is quite a lot of fun. So, you know, you can thank the Screaming Citadel in part for that. So as this was a crossover event between the main run of Star Wars comics and the first run of Dr. Aphra comics the the credits of creation kind of go back and forth between them so i'm just going to basically read out everyone who's involved with these just for ease rather than doing it at every comic so the writers are jason aaron and kieran gillen kieran gillen wrote the first run of 
Vader comics and then several arcs of the Doctor Afro comics. And then Jason Aaron wrote for the main run of Star Wars comics for quite a bit as well. Um, the artist for Screaming Citadel is marking Chichetto, who also did all the cover art for the five issues. And then Salvador La Roca did the Star Wars artwork for the, the two Star Wars comics. And Andrea Bracado did the both of the Doctor Afra comic arts. And then the colorist for Screaming Citadel 1 is Andres Mossa. Edgar Delgado did the colouring for the Star Wars comics, and Antonio Fabella did the Dr. Afra colouring. So yeah, that's basically enough waffle from me, so let's get on with the actual narrative, starting with the title crawl. It is a time of turmoil for the galaxy. While the evil galactic empire remains strong, the forces of the Rebel Alliance continue to struggle for freedom from their oppressive grasp, establishing a secret outpost on Horrocks 3, deep in the Outer Rim. Young rebel pilot Luke Skywalker, struggling to forge his own destiny, is at a loss. He can feel the Force, but without proper training he cannot become the Jedi Knight he is certain he must become. Meanwhile, the rogue archaeologist and sometimes scoundrel Dr. Aphra has come into possession of a very valuable and very dangerous artifact, one containing the recorded consciousness of an ancient Force user, if only she could reactivate it. So the narrative of the Screaming Citadel comic number one. It, on Horrocks 3, it's not elsewhere in the canon apart from in these sorts of comics, so you don't need to really worry about that. So it starts with Luke enters a bar on Horrocks 3 and is told that it isn't a human bar, and some Sabats attack him. Now Sabats, S-A-B-A-T, they are actually introduced in the Obi-Wan and Anakin comic, the second issue of that sort of miniseries, and the species is also shown in Solo, a Star Wars story. Galan Yees was a cloud rider, a cloud rider's part of the gang with Emphis Nest, um, so towards the end really, and then also in Rogue One, one of Saul Guerrero's partisans, Lee Van Tenza, was also a Sabat. Uh, they're kind of odd looking, they kind of almost just, in a really rude way, they almost look like humans that are kind of mutants in some ways, they've got like a flatter face and like a big jaw and things and bigger eyes and kind of bold-ish skin. Uh, they're not the most attractive of the uh, Star Wars sentient beings, um, but yeah, they are in live action to some degree and like a little bit in the expanded sort of stuff. So the Sabats basically go to attack Luke and Afra enters with Black Chrysanthemum, who's uh, the Wookiee who's been in countless other ones, including the uh, Journals of Old Ben Kenobi, where you learn how he got his scars, which I've tackled in a prior episode, so that's cool. Aphra and Black Santin defend Luke and they all essentially fight the whole bar uh, and then it shows that all of them are fine after the battle and Luke basically goes to leave because Luke says like he doesn't want anything to do with you because he knows who Dr. Aphra is and then Aphra says well I can help you find a master to help you with your force powers and whatever and that piques his interest. Now for clarity, Dr. Avra and Luke met, I believe they've met twice, uh, once was in the Vader Down crossover event, which was episode 19 of Star Wars Comics and Canon, if you want to go back and check that out, and also in the third volume of the main run of Star Wars Comics, which is called Rebel Jail, and I tackled that in episode 21. Uh, essentially, they meet in Vader Down, and then they take her and take her to the Rebel Jail for a while, and they have some sort of interactions, and Afro has some interactions with Sana Staros and Princess Leia and a few others, so she is known to them by this point. Luke then asks Aphra how she knew that he was becoming a Jedi, or rather he then kind of <laughs> corrects himself and says, what makes you think I am a Jedi? And Aphra basically says that when she was working for Vader, there was this strange thing he was kind of quite fixated on Luke, and at first she thought maybe it was just because he managed to like make the crazy shot and blew up the Death Star, but it's like a one in a million shot, like no one could really make that a shot, it's quite a, a weird thing, and obviously 
in the movies they don't make a big deal about how difficult the shot is to make but yeah it's essentially one in a million and luke obviously manages to make that because of the force i'd say and so alfred basically says look i've got this crystal thing and it needs to be reactivated and i'm really intrigued by what it actually is and luke quickly says well i don't know how to reactivate that and she's like no that's fine i don't need you to reactivate it i want it to be reactivated so i can learn some stuff from it and maybe you could learn some things too from this rare individual who was a jedi in a past life so you know it's kind of a win-win situation for the both of us luke is sort of skeptical to go along with them but he does eventually kind of agree and Luke kind of says, well, can't we just speak with Han, Luke or Leia or anything like that? And Aphra says, well, not really, because if they find out about this, they're going to stop you going and then we both go won't get what we want. And Aphra mentions this queen who may be able to reactivate the crystal. The queen only accepts visitors once a year, and today essentially is that day. So she says, look, we need to get a move on. We can't have Han or anyone like that slowing us down. So we need to kind of get a move on and go. Now, the queen's name is spelt queen and then K-T-A-T-H apostrophe a-T-N. She's super old, she's really bored, and yeah, she swaps favours for meeting interesting people, and that's why Afra says she can reactivate the crystal. So to try and pronounce the Queen's name, I believe it is Catatherton, but I'm going to mispronounce that horrendously throughout this, because it takes quite a while to be able to focus and say that, so I'm probably just going to really say the Queen from now on to save any embarrassment. So BT, Triple Zero, Afra, Black Chrysanthemum, and Luke all appear at the Screaming Citadel. Now, for clarity, it is called the Citadel of Kutaatherton, and that translates to the Screaming Citadel. So they arrive at the Screaming Citadel and it is pouring of rain. They start to walk towards it and then the, the villagers approach, seemingly kind of trying to beg and whatever. And they get a bit closer and things and then some red lightning strikes and they immediately just flee. They get to sort of the gates and then Black Chrysanthemum is not allowed to enter because the, one of the guards says that the Queen is allergic to Wookiees, which is quite a peculiar thing, so he needs to go and make himself busy. Afra gives him a deck of cards and tells him to not go kill anyone. Back on Horrocks 3, Luke's gone and Afra has sent Sana some sort of message and then you can hear that Leia's kind of getting frustrated by Luke's droid. This isn't R2-D2, this is S4. Because as mentioned in a prior Star Wars comic, R2-D2 has gone off into space trying to find C-3PO who's been taken by Scar Squadron. Eventually they manage to get out of Luke's droid and he confirms that he's been basically taken by Dr. Afra. It cuts back to Luke and he's getting all dressed up and things in this room in the Citadel. He's wearing something with like a ruffle thing or like a neckerchief. It's, it's quite old school looking for modern era. It's almost like the 1600s. So he feels a bit silly. Afra's dressed up a little bit as well. And then they head down to sort of the main hall to meet loads of people. They enter a room and there's just, it's gigantic and there's just loads and loads and loads of species in there. And Luke is basically gobsmacked and Afro makes a sort of quip about him clearly seeming like he's a farm boy rather than, you know, trying to blend in because he seems so surprised by all these species. There's quite a fun little thing where several different species approach the Queen and offer her certain cool things. One of them offers something that was recovered from Silo's genetic engineering lab which was the main antagonist in the Darth Vader comics in the first run uh, which she just denies she doesn't want that weird clone thing it's not of Silo himself it's of this weird little monkey sort of thing uh, a couple of other people offer her some other stuff and she says she's or her servant person who's speaking for her says that she's interested somewhat and to kind of almost wait to one side she'll go through people and then kind of get through everyone so Luke eventually walks up there is pretty much immediately rejected from being boring and whatever and then a species called the Azara, who only in these comics push Luke and attack and tell him to get out of the way and whatever. And Luke force pushes him in response. And then immediately all of the guests are told they need to leave straight away because the, well, the Queen's just closing everything except Luke and Aphra who can stay because clearly they've piqued someone's interest. 
Then this comic ends with the queen speaking to her servants, saying that she needs to feed. And what she ends up doing is sucking the life essence out of her servants and the villagers. It's quite a cool scene to look at, but she stands there and it's like this red gas stuff is kind of coming into her mouth. And then you see loads of villagers like sleeping and whatever all around. And they're kind of tensing while in their sleep and having this gas come out of their bodies and whatnot. So she's clearly feeding on all these people in some manner. Then the next comic, which is Star Wars number 31, uh, Han, Sano and Leia all leave to go get Luke. Uh, they tell Chewie that she can't come because apparently the Queen is allergic to Wookiees, so he stays behind. Then at the Screaming Citadel, some Lord Hosferin, his name is, is demanding to see the Queen. And he's kind of banging on the gates and making a big hoo-ha about things, saying that they came from really far away and you know, why can't they speak to the Queen. And the Queen's Lieutenant, Bominax, comes out and he's pretty tall scary looking his armor almost looks kind of mandalorian ish but the visor thing is more of a cross than a t-shape and it glows red bominax quickly throws the lord off the bridge and just throws him to his death kills the people who are with him and then asks where the wookiee is he's told that the wookiee black chrysanthemum is in quarantine so he goes to find him then luke and afra walk towards the queen they have some quite cool dialogue between them i'm not going to repeat it specifically because it's more flavor text and if you decide to read this it's a bit of enjoyment there but it doesn't contribute specifically to the plot but there is one part that says um afra actually bet against luke when he was fighting in the arena in volume two of star wars which i tackled a while ago on the show which was episode 13 afra actually yeah bet against him when he was in the arena fighting uh, i think it was congo the D- disemboweler which i stand by is one of the coolest and most ridiculous names for anything ever but it's when he gets captured by gracchus the hut and goes into the arena and things like that she actually bet against him which i thought was quite a nice little throwback they get to the queen and the queen mentions that she's not been brought a jedi before so she asks luke to pick up a tray using the force because dessert is under there it's it's one of those sort of posh trays where you've got food almost on a silver plate and then you've got like a a dome thing going over it that you can't see through. It's one of those. Luke has trouble trying to pick it up with the Force, because obviously he's not that trained in things. And so the Queen gets one of her servants to put a knife to his throat to try and encourage him. As this happens, Aphra plants a small device under the table, and then while Luke is getting antagonised by the servant a bit more, and then the servant pushes Luke's face into his plate of food he's got in front of him, he kind of loses it a bit and ends up flinging the tray straight at the servant pretty hard, which reveals what is underneath the tray and they are Abyssin symbiotes. Now, if you remember in the first issue of the Dr. Afro comics, in the sort of flashback part, Afro managed to get her doctorate by essentially stealing Abyssin symbiotes from her professor who had them, or her Savar, who had them illegally, planting them somewhere, telling the Empire so they could get picked up and whatever. And yeah, it's just a nice little throwback to that first issue. Uh, for clarity, they are incredibly dangerous and even the empire don't use them for like anything not even their own nefarious needs which just goes to show how bad they are when the symbiotes are revealed afro activates her little device she's stuck under the table and it blows up uh, in the ruckus and whatnot afro and luke manage to sort of run away as that happens the queen commands that the citadel is locked down while this is all happening there's a group of aliens that are possessed by the symbiotes that block Luke and Aphra's path to escape. There's an Ithorian there, there's a Gungan there, there's quite a few different cool species, but you can see they've all got symbiotes on and they have glowing red eyes and look a bit messed up. Pretty freaky. And then, so Aphra is calling to Triple Zero, saying, you know, we need some help, can you come pick us up? We're in a bit of trouble here. And Triple Zero says, yeah, but I'm afraid we're a little bit indisposed at the moment. Um, can you hold on for a little bit, just because we're trying to figure out what to do? 
and triple zero says look I'm, I'm afraid we're in desperate need of some orders because of giving all the switching up of the enemies and the allies we've been doing recently please remind us are we still allowed to murder rebels and the final panel shows that triple zero and bt1 standing in front of han sana and leia with guns drawn so moving on to dr afra number seven which is the third part of the screaming citadel event luke and afra managed to escape the kind of zombies almost that are coming towards them are possessed by those symbiotes and they get in into a courtyard as they feel a bit surrounded the archangel 2 which is afro ship basically crashes into the doorway they came out of and han kind of comes out and says that the aft thruster isn't aligned and that's why he crashed it while they're kind of squabbling a little bit sana pulls a gun on afro and without saying much she pulls the trigger Luke, fortunately, standing right next to Afra and deflects the bolt with his lightsaber. And Luke says, look, I don't want you to kill her or anything like that. That's not the way. They then ask Afra how she managed to find them and therefore finding Luke. And she looks at Sana. Sana looks at her and glares very quickly. And Afra goes, oh, um, it, it was just a lucky guess, I suppose. Luke then continues and says, look, I trust Afra. She's actually helped me so far. Please try not to kill her or do anything like that while we're here. Let's just get out together and not murder each other. While they're all speaking in things, the Queen's followers approach, and so the gang immediately try to run inside, shooting back and deflecting blaster bolts, that sort of thing, and manage to get in and then close some doors. Then when they're in this sort of new room, and everything's all sort of sealed and they're seemingly safe, they have a look around and find the Abyssin symbiotes. So I'm just going to read um, something between Afra and Luke. First of all, it's going to be Afra just talking about the symbiotes, just so you guys get a little bit more information about them, because they're quite cool. Maybe they'll come up again in the canon in the future, who knows. But they are quite cool beings in the universe. And then it's quite an interesting conversation between Luke and Afra. so I'm going to read that out now. So Afra says, These things are noxious. The hive control system transfers life energies up the pyramid. Every case I've ever seen leads to a viral speed spread and a death within a year. They're so dangerous, even the Empire doesn't risk weaponizing them. This colony appears to be stable. The Queen's been doing her thing for, well, 100 years at least, and that's, well, it's unprecedented and unprecedentedly scary. She continues and says, okay, while looking at this uh, hollow map, this is what we've got. Multiple X's, anti-chambers, blast doors, but... They should be sealed, but I can't be certain. We'll need to go check them all quickly. Uh, can you come with me, Luke? Luke and Afra kind of walk off while the rest of them sort of inspect the room. And Luke says, this wasn't what I was expecting. People need to know about this place. And Afra says, agreed. Ideally, get word to the Empire so they can bomb it into its component molecules. And now I'm going to do just back and forth between them, and my extended gaps are going to show who's speaking when. So, from Luke. I just don't understand why someone like you would be on the side of the Empire. My mum was killed around the chaos of the Clone Wars. The Empire isn't perfect, but it keeps people safe. But it's not right. The Empire is evil. Don't be naive. The Empire is not for people like us. I don't need anyone, and you're basically a near-bursting balloon of the Force loves me, the Force loves me. But for normal people, for them, pretty much any peace is better than war. You are like Han. He wasn't as bad as he pretended to be either. Yeah, keep believing that. I've been through bad times too, but... You can't let that stop you. Well, you don't show it, Luke. From the top of that tossled mop downwards, you scream, I grew up without a care in the world. You may be aiming at a Jedi, but you're the walking embodiment of what good farm living does for a boy. And everyone on my farm was slaughtered by the Empire. I I wasn't thinking. I, I'm sorry. It's okay. We all make mistakes sometimes. No, not sorry about that. And as she says that, the doors open and the Queen comes out with several of her guards and tells Luke to kneel as Afra puts some goggles on. 
Afra mentions that her goggles are polarised, so she won't be able to be controlled in the same way that Luke has somehow been while he's kneeling, and she's got the strange power. And Afra pulls out this detonator and says, look, I put charges in this kid's pocket. If you try and come near me, I'm going to blow us to smithereens. So let's negotiate. The Queen agrees that she can reactivate the crystal for Afra and negotiate what else they can do, and then Han, Sana and Leah appear, immediately causing chaos and basically a shootout. Leia warns Han not to get closer because the Queen has some sort of strange power they don't fully understand. Han basically ignores her, says, yeah, well, I've got a blaster, and he walks around the corner and then immediately is kind of taken in a way. The Queen walks straight up to him, puts her hand on his head, and then he seemingly is gone. Aphra tells Sana, Leia, and the remaining droids to run while she kind of deals with this, and Aphra comments that the back wall is thin enough for BT to, to blow open, so just get out of here. They go back into the room of the symbiotes and lock all the blast doors and whatnot. And then before BT blows everything up, Triple Zero has a suggestion. He says that, I understand Abyssin parasites do not like to be implanted in certain species. There is a reason for that. I do believe it may be advantageous in our current situation. And Leia says to do it. And Triple Zero pats on the head of Luke's droid S4 and says, it's not going to hurt, but I will need to transport this symbiote in you. They manage to get themselves sorted, BT blows one of the back walls, and then Leia, Sana, and Triple Zero, BT1, and then S4 with the symbiote in them, come out of this hole in the wall saying, right, quarantine should be over there, we can go try and find. And then, before they manage to finish the sentence, they can see Black Chrysanthemum knocked out on the floor, with Bomanix standing over him. Leia starts to shoot at him, and he completely launches himself straight at Leia, and then BT1 shoots this massive cannon thing he's got right at Bombanix and blows a big old hole out of his chest. Sarlon Triple Zero grab the unconscious Black Chrysanthemum and drag him back into the room they were sort of in, and then Triple Zero starts up a buzzsaw. I'm just going to read the interaction between the two of them because obviously remember that Triple Zero is basically, he speaks like C-3PO and he looks like C-3PO except he is a dark colour and with red eyes and he is a maniac. So it's quite interesting hearing them sort of talk. So as Triple Zero is holding Black Chrysanthemum's head by the hair, um, who's knocked out, with a buzzsaw in his hand, Leia says, what are you doing? And Triple Zero says, no time for the symbiote to enter the body in its natural fashion. I need to directly implant it to its active site. And finally, a lucky break. Chrysanthemum was beaten unconscious, so I didn't even need to use a sedative. As he says that you hear a buzzing noise and you hear a pop and there's a little bit of blood that's splurting out. And Leia says, but he's your friend. And Zero says, friendship, oh, ho, ho, ho. he's a tool, Princess Leia. Nothing more than a useful tool. As Luke and Han are to you, he is to me. And she's like, what are you talking about? They're not just tools. And he goes like, really? You seem terribly upset when they disobey how you've tried to program them. The door starts to get here some banging and things on it, and Sana comments like, uh, it seems like the big guy is alive and can punch through doors. Leia is, says that is, and puts her hand over her mouth while she's watching Zero put this symbiote onto the brain of Black Chrysanthemum, and Triple Zero says, beautiful work on an impossible deadline. I was unaware that looking queasy was an Alderanian compliment. I'll be sure to add that to my database. She says, you're a monster. And he says, Princess Leia, BT and I have proven ourselves 100% efficient assets to fulfill your ends. From all the interactions I've observed with your friends, it seems that you'd be happier if they were a lot more like us. Am I mistaken? And as Leia looks a bit confused and sort of questioning, the big guy, Bomanix, charges through the door, smashing them and flying them off their hinges, and says, The Queen hungers. Come. And he sees Black Chrysanthemum slowly stand up while he's growling quite heavily and his eyes are going red. And Bomanix says, No. 
Black Chrysanthemum lets out a massive roar and Triple Zero says, I would step back, Leia. This particular tool will be a trifle messy. And that's where this comic ends. So part four of this story, which is Star Wars comic number 32, starts with Black Chrysanthemum killing Lieutenant Bominax by throwing him down a big pit, essentially. I believe it's basically the same one as when Bominax threw that Lord Hosferin off. I think it's basically the same place as some sort of <laughs> amount of irony. Uh, and then it shows that Black Chrysanthemum has basically gone rabid and is completely mental. And Triple Zero manages to sort of kind of divert him to the citadel and says look we're just you know a couple of weak women and droids we're no match for the almighty chrysanthemum you know when you go in the citadel there's loads of people who are worth your fighting and things like that so then black chrysanthemum kind of goes off and they kind of quietly follow his path of destruction leia questions what have we just unleashed and sana says look we had no choice we're not fighting the empire here we're basically fighting monsters and we need to fight monsters with monsters and then you're watching black chrysanthemum like kill quite a few more other guards and things and then sana says that includes you two let's go murder droids and speaking to triple zero and bt and i'm just going to read some of the dialogue from triple zero no i don't like sana much either bt but she did just call us monsters and murder droids so perhaps she's trying to make friends and with that, they basically go into the Citadel to try and find Luke, Han, and Aphra. So Aphra is now with the Queen, basically saying that she was, you know, getting hungry because of all the double-crossing and whatever she's done. The Queen then says, look, that's the end of our agreement. Here's the activated Rora Crystal. Now can you just leave? Aphra asks what happens to Luke, and she asks, are you going to put one of those symbiotes inside of him? And then they say, no, we've got other plans. And they've attached him up to this crazy machine with loads of wires and cables and things coming out of it, and this breath it's kind of connected to his mouth and the end of it comes to like a hookah or a shisha pipe almost and the queen is smoking this strange pipe thing and then her eyes are glowing with like force smoke and it seems to be draining the life essence or the force essence from luke it's a pretty nasty machine it's quite cool looking and i have taken a photo of it which i'll be putting on social media after this drops so you can make sure you check that out after afra witnesses this the queen says why are you still here and afra says yeah i'm, I'm just leaving the Queen says to one of our servants, look, make sure that Aphra doesn't manage to leave, doesn't get into awe, but you need to kind of stop her and things. And then I'm just going to read some of the dialogue from the Queen herself, just to give a bit more information about the Abbas and symbiotes and other stuff. So one of our servants says, yes, my Queen, but I'm afraid we have another problem. The Jedi's friends, it appears they stole a symbiote and implanted it inside one of their compatriots who's inside quarantine. And the Queen says, oh, quarantine, please tell me it wasn't. And the servant says, I'm afraid it was. She says, that damned Wookiee, Bominix was meant to finish the beast. And the servant says, well, Bominax is dead, your majesty. And she kind of ponders and starts smoking more of that strange force pipe thing. And what the queen says is, some species are too strong for even the symbiotes to handle. The last time one found its way inside a wookie, half the village was slaughtered. I could dissolve the hive's communion to stop him, but that would entail reinfecting everyone again. He is a problem, but not worth destroying the hive. Yes, he is almost impossible to stop. But the last time this was happening, we weren't feeding on the Jedi life force. Bring me the Wookiee, in as many pieces as you can manage. And the servant says, we will handle it at once. And she says, I want to speak into you, Vespin X. One of my apprentices has fallen. That means there is a vacancy in the ranks. Are you prepared to fill it, Captain Solo? And hands laying on a chair, strapped down, being, what, what the hell is this ugly little, get it off. And, I mean, the Abyssin symbiotes, they're quite big. They're, they're almost like the size of maybe like a chihuahua or something, or maybe like a rabbit. And it's like a bug that size, and they've got, they're pretty unpleasant and scary to look at. And they climb to the back of Solo, stab like this stinger thing into the back of his neck. 
and then she makes him drink this forced liquidy stuff that's coming off the thing connected to Luke and then hand changes and says yes how may I serve you my queen he doesn't really look that different he's just got glowing red eyes and a weird intensity about him but what they've done cleverly in this is the speech bubbles obviously are normally white with black text and for hand they are black with white text which is quite cool and I like it they start to do this a bit because in the two Darth Vader comics so the second run by Charles Saul and the third run by Greg Pak they both have all of Vader's dialogue in black bubbles with white text and i think it just adds quite a bit to the sort of the feel of the dialogue and things so i just thought that was quite a nice touch so ham with a bunch of soldiers attack they notice that he's been infected by something and he says look bring the woman to me the droids basically run away and hide feel it saying they're basically going to betray leia and sana and stuff and ham walks up to leia saying look your war's at an end there's no more rebellion no more empire anything like that there's just the queen and he brings forward a, a symbiote in like a, a jar of stuff while this is happening, you see Afra basically away in the village, speaking to someone, just asking for just the fastest ship you've got so I can leave. As she's kind of staring off, thinking that she's not sorry about anything like that, uh, the Ruhr crystal kind of says something. And it says, I am Ruhr, and I see through your veil of lies you are filled with regret. And they have a fairly big back and forth, but essentially it shows that Afra is actually feeling guilty about this, and Afra's trying to kind of argue that she doesn't, and Ruhr's saying, no, you, you, you clearly do actually feel guilty about this. And also, if you leave this planet, like, you won't be able to leave this planet without them either. You kind of need their help to leave. So, not only do you feel guilty, but you need to basically go back and get their help anyway. Sana manages to track down the droids, just while Han is kind of preoccupied with trying to put a symbiote onto Leia. She manages to get the droids, tell them, look, we'll save Afra, but you need to save my friends first. And then you can go off and do everything the hell you want. It shows Black Cassantin is, like, struggling. By, he's covered with, like... It looks like about seven or eight different guards kind of piling on top of him. BT shoots like a rocket near them and gets rid of the majority of them. And then as Han is just about to place the symbiote onto Leia, Sana runs up and punches him in the face. As that's happening, Luke is in the Queen's sort of throne room, connected up to that machine. He manages to pull the machine off his mouth and face, and he's a bit disorientated. But he manages to grab his lightsaber and just kind of wildly swinging it about, kills a couple of the guards. And the Queen kind of goes into this weird state almost she looks kind of pixelated in some ways and she kind of zooms past him and does like cuts on his arms and things and he can't seem to hit her at all he's kind of fumbling about and then there's a massive explosion and the queen is looking around trying to work out what on earth has happened and afra shows up the queen says to her remaining subordinate quick bring me the symbiote now and afra looks at this jar where the symbiote was and says uh yeah about that i figured out why you didn't want to put one inside luke because the symbiote hive mind the strongest being sits at the top of the food chain right and you hear some sort of yelling in the background and then you've got luke with a symbiote attached to the back of him and red eyes a lightsaber ignited and he says bow before your king and that's where that comic ends so we are on to the final comic part five of the screaming citadel crossover and this is dr afra number eight so this comic starts with Luke and the Queen basically square up to each other and they're just staring at each other with each of them, their sort of respective symbiotes and Luke and the Queen themselves trying to kind of struggle for dominance in the hive mind. And while that's happening, the Queen's will has kind of faulted on a lot of other beings. And so in another room, you see the two servants and Han, who are all the next in line in the sort of hierarchy of the hive mind. The two servants are like, oh, now we're, we can be in charge, but if we can kill Han, then we'll be able to control all of the other, you know, the serv the rest of the servants, the villagers, all that sort of stuff. So as the two servants basically figure that out, they run off to go and find Solo. And when Han's in charge, he has his moment of clarity in some ways, and Leia starts talking to him, saying, look, get fight it, you know? So he tells everyone to lower their weapons, then the two servants run in immediately, and then tell everyone to kill him, 
and then Han's like, okay, start shooting. And so you've got a faction that Han is kind of controlling, as well as, you know, Sana and Leia, who aren't controlled by anything, all shooting for one side. And then you've got the two servants, as well as a lot of the other servants, guards and things, shooting on the other side. And then Han yells out, unleash the Wookiee, and Black Chrysanthemum comes in and creates a massive mess. Then back to Luke and the Queen, they're both sat on the floor now, and it's got this, the imagery is really, really cool on this. They've got these sort of black tendril tentacle things coming going near them and things and lots of like blotted red around them on a a kind of sea of white and you see the symbiotes kind of above them massive and they're kind of almost fighting each other for for dominance in that ways and they're both there thinking and then you hear the voice of Ruhr and this green crystal kind of appears and there's like smoke and stuff going around it speaking to Luke and what the crystal says is, look, give in to the symbiote. The only reason you're not winning this immediately is because you're not letting it take control. If you do, you have power that you can't even imagine. I'm actually jealous of how much power you're going to get from being with the symbiote. And Luke's like, I don't know, I, I don't feel like this is right. And Ro specifically says that Luke would be unstoppable. And Luke then makes the realisation, he says that Ro, he's not a Jedi. He just knows what a Jedi knows. So while this is all sort of happening... It's a really cool panel. I really recommend people read it for this almost this interaction alone, but I am trying to kind of give you the main plot points. But essentially, Luke says to Ruhr is that he's wrong. And Ruhr says, well, you're arrogant. I'm, I'm wisdom. I've got wisdom beyond time. Obey me. And Luke realizes that being a Jedi is about being and about letting go. So he does that. And then the Queen's parasite kills Luke's parasite. And then the Queen starts to walk towards him. And he says that I'm now feeling, and more than anything the Jedi feel free. And then he ignites his lightsaber and swipes, and then it comes out of the strange sort of weird visiony thing they're both having, and Lucas just swipes straight at the queen, and she collapses to the floor, and Aphra's kind of at the edge holding the crystal, looking quite surprised. Then back at the fight with Han, the two servants, and everyone else, including Black Cassantin, everyone who's connected by the hive mind in some way has this horrible feeling all of a sudden, because they feel the queens just disappear. And then immediately, Han is kind of like saying, oh my god, what what's happening what's going on and Leia's like come on try and push things and he's like I don't even know what's happening right now I'm getting really confused um and as that happens they decide they'll kill the leaders so they shoot one of them and then Black Chrysanthemum dives on another one and then Han is in control and all of the servants and things are all saying hail the king and things and he's like oh I'm free to do my own thing I can be powerful I can be king and then Sana says do you actually want all of that responsibility seriously do you want to tell everyone what to do and he's like oh god no and then as he has that realisation, he says to all the symbiotes everywhere, just leave the people now. He orders them to do so. And it shows the villagers and the servants and the guards and all sort of things. All these symbiotes leave them. Immediately this black smoky stuff leaves them. And then all the villagers are yelling that they're free and things. And everyone's happy. And then Sana says, oh great, Han Solo, the great emancipating messiah. How are we ever going to live with this? And then Han starts. Han says, look, get me to the Falcon. I can do the Kessel Run in 11 parsecs. Maybe even 10.8 I know it. And then Leia's like, okay, he's losing it. Sedate him. And Triple Zero goes behind him and <laughs> sedates him and he collapses. Leia tells Triple Zero to get the parasite out of hand quickly. And then Afra tells BT to just burn everything. And it's got this quite cool panel of BT like beeping happily while everything is on fire. And Leia asks if that was necessary. And Afra says, yeah, this is like a horrendous place. We need to get rid of all of it. We should probably actually contact the Empire afterwards to get them to bomb this place from space because these parasites are horrendous. Han has this moment where he kind of starts to accept that the Force may actually be a thing, more so than just mumbo-jumbo, because he did feel some strange stuff while he was possessed, but he kind of half dismisses that, but he is still a bit confused by it. Then when everything's kind of calmed down and things, Sana says goodbye to Aphra, and basically thanks her for coming back, and basically saving them in a lot of ways, 
and then Luke is there with his arms crossing. Come on, Sana, we need to go. Then Aphra offers Luke the royal crystal, and he's like, look, it's not a Jedi, not in the way that matters, and there aren't going to be any Jedi with, like, easy routes and things. It's just, it's a difficult path, and it's going to take time. And Aphra's like, I'm sorry you didn't learn anything. And he's like, no, no, you don't understand. I did learn something. I learned loads of things. And the good thing to learn is that people who think there's a shortcut to getting what they want, they're wrong. They're deluded. And then he tells Aphra to stay the hell away from my friends. So obviously Aphra is someone who often shortcuts things and wants the quick and easy route, whereas Lucas realizing that being a Jedi isn't about the quick and easy route. It's about the difficulty and the hardship and things. So Aphra then leaves and it's the last couple of panels. So there's a bit of triple zero dialogue that's quite good. Um, I mean, Aphra's back in her ship, the Archangel 2, with Triple Zero, BT-1, and Black Chrysanthemum. She's saying that uh, Luke is a judgmental piece of blonde Tatooine banther dung, and he annoys her so much. And Triple Zero says, and this is quoting him, I can imagine. He went through an experience just as traumatic as yours, and remains a positive, delightful person, devoted to a better existence for all sent your life. And you realise how special he is too late to retain his respect. That must be an awful reminder of your own failings of character. To be honest, Master, I'm not sure if I'd be able to live with myself. And Aphra just says, take the con controls, Cassantin, and walks away. <laughs> then on the Falcon, you've got Sana, Han, Leia, and Luke, and they're all sort of chatting and things. Han makes a joke about, did he get another medal or something? And he won't get one. <laughs> and they kind of zoom off into space on their next adventure. And then the very, very last panels has got two people who seemingly are the villagers going through the citadel trying to search for just money or anything that can kind of help them and stuff if they're going to start a new life they need something to pay for it so they're searching through some things and this woman explorer they, they separate a little bit this man and the the woman the woman explorer moves a bit of rubble and things and finds the corpse of the queen with the symbiote on it before she can react the symbiote launches at her climbs on her and then the symbiote gets her she kind of awakens controlled by the symbiote and says skywalker and her friend comes up to her and says, uh, what's happened to your face? And she says, I've made an error in judgment. And you're right, we need to leave quickly. Our future is elsewhere. And it shows this woman's face, who's now got a scar across the, her face. She's got white eyes, red on her skin as well. And she's got a very pale complexion with those strange black tentacle tendril things around her. And that is where the comic ends. And I want to clarify, to my knowledge, I don't think the symbiotes come up again in the canon as of yet. They may come up in the second run of Afro comics. They may come up in the second run of Star Wars comics. I don't know. They may come up elsewhere in the canon. I hope they do because they're quite an interesting thing and I'd be really interested to see what they can do in live action. But I think that might be a bit too <laughs> jumping the gun a bit. Fingers crossed they do come back somewhere in the canon. But that is it, guys. That is the end of the Doctor Afra and main run of Star Wars crossover event. As I said, it's a, it's a really cool comic and it is worth picking up. You can pick up the trade paperback version, which is just instead of having to get two issues of Afra, two issues of uh, Star Wars, and then one issue of the Screaming Citadel, you can just buy the trade paperback. And it is a really cool thing, and it does give you the ability to kind of dip your toe in the waters of the canon because it does show kind of what the Star Wars side is like as well as what the Afra side is like. Uh, the Afra is weird and crazy and mental things happen, and the Star Wars things is more so about Luke learning to be a Jedi and Han becoming a bit less selfish and things and Leia generally trusting them both so it's a really cool comic I really enjoy it I would say the only thing to note though is that the artwork change between the main run of Star Wars comics and the Screaming Sizzle comic compared to the Afro comics it is a little bit jarring to begin with because the artwork of the Afro ones are more cartoony whereas the artwork for the Screaming Citadel one-off and the Star Wars comics a lot of them are a lot more realistic like some of the actual pictures look almost 
photoreal in some ways like really really well done the art is incredible and although i like the art of the afro comics they are more cartoony so it's a bit strange when you kind of turn the page from one story to the next and the characters look a fair amount different um but yeah i just thought i'd flag that up but yeah that's really everything guys uh, on this one um in the coming weeks i've got next week will be probably the Lando Double or Nothing comic, which is basically Donald Glover's Lando set just before Solo A Star Wars Story. So it's just like a little prequel comic and it's a bit of fun there. You get more stuff about L337, who is a great character. And then the week after that should be my special interview that I'm doing with someone who's involved with Star Wars quite a lot, but I don't want to say anything further just in case anything happens. But things are in the calendar i'm hoping i'm quite excited for that chat but yeah i don't want to see what it is as of yet until i've got it recorded but that is really it from me guys um make sure you check out on this same channel comics in motion that each week me sometimes and the guys are doing this weekly mandalorian kind of breakdown in some ways so episode four me and dave spoke about how far the series has gone as a whole and then also spoke about chapter 12 which i think was the siege and we spoke about that which is really cool and then coming out in a few days will be the episode for it'll be about chapter 13 which is going to be about the episode called the jedi and i won't say anything more about that but if you're watching the mandalorian you know who that's going to be uh, and so when the episode that's going to be coming out next week i think it might be chris and scott who are hosting it so if i can't remember who exactly is specifically but i'll be recording a nugget of information that i'll be able to send to them and they'll be able to tag at the end of the episode so you'll hear them discuss the episode talk about the things they liked in it and then i'll come in with some of the connections to other stuff because this episode is a biggie and make sure you check out episode 46 of indie comic spotlight i join as kind of a guest host sort of thing with tony farina to speak with mark russell who created the comic second coming and billionaire island i've been on indie comic spotlight a little while ago to talk about second coming so it's really really cool to be able to speak with the creator of both second coming and billionaire island about his own work so we were really really chuffed to be able to speak with mark russell on that so obviously you can find indie comic spotlight on this very feed of comics in motion and episodes come out every friday so the episode just before this one on the feed is going to be billionaire island as i said it is episode 46 of indie comic spotlight so make sure you check that out too but yeah that's everything for me guys make sure you check out the mandalorian special as well as all the other episodes that come out on the comics in motion feed and then also check out my other podcast genuine chit chat where i have a different guest on each episode but yeah that's about it for me guys thank you so much for listening as always i will speak to you next saturday and as always may the force be with you The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.